I'm going to mix things up a little bit this morning, do things a little bit differently. Um, I even had, had planned to uh, read through the entire chapter of Galatians 2 this morning as we're in this series. Um, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I, I had a conversation this week with a friend of mine that just really has, has had me thinking for, for the past five days or so. Um, about some of the things that uh, we believe and um, the way that we do church. And uh, I just want to kind of let you in on um, what's been going through my head a little bit. You know, here at West Point, we have three core values, and I, I talk about them quite a bit. You've probably heard them before. Maybe you can even um, list them. But those three things are relationship. That's our relationship with the Lord. There's community. That's our connection with the body of Christ. And then there's mission, and that's the assignment that God has given us as a church to reach the world with the gospel. Uh, and this morning, I want to talk specifically about the first one, and that's relationship. And, and that's a term that, that we use a lot here in this church, and you've probably heard me say it. You maybe um, used that terminology in the past, and it's really not something that, that Scripture actually references that it uses that terminology, but it's a description of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's language that we use to communicate um, the type of, of connection that Jesus said that we would have with our Heavenly Father. And so um, I, I was in a car this, this past week with, with a couple other guys, and, and they were asking some questions about this church. And I had mentioned that, you know, we have church services on Sunday mornings. And, and so they asked, well, how, how big is, is the church that, that you pastor? And so, you know, we talked about that for a little bit. And, and the one guy said, oh, that's, that's about the same size as the church that my wife is on the board of. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. Well, what church does, does she go to? And then it kind of got awkward at that point because he's like, well, it's actually, it's a humanist church. I'm like, a, human, a humanist church, huh? Interesting. <laughs> okay, a humanist church. Uh, I'm not, you know, super familiar with, with what that means. And, and uh, so we, we started talking about what that looks like. And, um, you know, one of the conclusions that we came to is that everybody's looking for uh, connection, right? They're looking for community that they can be a part of. Um, it's maybe the same reason somebody would join a, a golf country club or that they would be a part of another um, social community so that they have relationship with people. They're looking for connection. They're looking for, for fellowship. And then, uh, you know, at that same time, I learned that this church, they also have a mission. They, they're doing things in the world to make the world a better place. And so they, they have that. And, you know, I think the thing that differentiates a humanist church or another group or, or maybe even some of the, the Christian churches in our world that maybe have different, slightly different values than we do is this idea of relationship, right? It's not enough to have community and to have a mission and a plan, if we don't have that relationship with Christ, right, if that's not the thing that's driving everything that we're doing, that's exactly what 
Paul was talking about here in the book of Galatians. He's addressing this church that's wrestling with this idea of, yeah, we want to be Christians, we want to follow Christ, we want to live this life, but we also kind of want to, to bring in part of what we used to believe, part of the, the old Jewish faith, and, and kind of combine those two things into one thing. It's like, yeah, we'll take some of this and some of that. And this is what our world wants to do today. It wants to take some of the values of whatever that might be, of, of their, their particular values, and combine them with what it means to have faith in Christ and say, well, see, it's still the same thing. But like we talked about last week, when you add anything else to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you make it about anything other than the redeeming work of Jesus Christ and the price that he paid on the cross for our sins, then you're stripping away the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And there are a lot of religious people in this world. And, and you know, I know that... Um, Technically, Christianity is a religion, and the Bible even talks about what true religion looks like. So the word religion itself is not a dirty word, but what it's become in our world today is something that I don't even want to be associated with. Religion has become about participating in a club and doing certain things and following certain rules, and Christianity is different from every other religion in the world in that it's not about you doing enough to earn the right to, to your God's favor. It's completely about what he's done for us. It's about his work on the cross. It's about his grace that's offered freely to us. That's the entire message of the book of Galatians. If you get that, um, you get you understand this book, and and there are there's so there's so much more there too, and it talks about you know what that looks like for us as believers, but I want us to understand that 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 Christianity is different from any other religious system in this world, and so when you hear me say I don't want to have anything to do with religion, that's what I'm talking about, right? I want to have relationship. With Jesus Christ. I want to know him. I want to experience what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So um, Paul, at the end of chapter one, which we started studying last week, and we kind of looked at the first part of the chapter, but at the end of the chapter, he starts telling a little bit about his story and his journey. And he says that he, he was kind of on the road to Damascus, and, and God interrupted his trip. And there was this blinding light that came from the sky and knocked him off his, his donkey. And God intervened in his life in a miraculous way. And he says that on that, that he received a revelation of Jesus himself. He said, I didn't hear the gospel from any human. No man preached me the gospel. The gospel that I received wasn't man's gospel because it was given to me directly from God himself. And he talks about his former life in Judaism. Now, many of you maybe know this, but Paul was actually a Pharisee, right? We've talked about Pharisees a lot uh, throughout the Gospels. They were usually the people that were fighting the hardest against what Jesus was trying to do. But they were the religious leaders, and they were very serious about their faith. And uh, just because someone was a Pharisee doesn't 
automatically mean they were a bad person. It just means that the culture uh, at that time that these Pharisees had become so caught up in their religious practices that they were missing um, what it meant um, to love God and to know him. And so they completely missed it for the most part with a few exceptions. Um, But they missed it for the most part um, when Jesus came and they missed an opportunity to know what love was. And Paul was so passionate about what he believed. He was so convinced that what he believed was the right thing that he was living in a completely ungodly fashion. He was so zealous for what he believed to be the truth that he was actually putting Christians to death. Now, I, I know that maybe you'd think, well, that's because he was, he w- was believing a certain way and, and he was just doing what, what he felt was right. Yeah, he was doing what he felt was right, but he was, he was exercising that in a really ungodly way. And he, in fact, verse 14 of chapter one says this, I was advancing in Jer- Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father's. I want you to get that. Even though he was in the correct religion, even though the God that he was serving was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Paul is acknowledging here in this, in this verse that he was zealous for the tradition of his fathers and he wasn't zealous for the Lord, right? He was, he was pursuing religion rather than relationship. And so he gets radically saved, and and then he has this experience with this blinding light. And it says three years later, he actually went to Jerusalem to go hang out with Peter. And he started preaching, and everyone was amazed by the fact that he was so, so radically saved. And then 14 years later, he came back to Jerusalem. And on this journey, he went back with Barnabas and with Titus, and as, as he was there, he saw something that really bothered him. He saw that, that Christians and Gentiles were almost separated from each other, that some of the leaders in the church, even um, James, who he calls out in this particular passage, and Peter, who used to spend time with these new Gentile believers, who Peter even received a vision from the Lord it was this sheet coming down from heaven, and, and God told him that, that now the animals that had been considered unclean in the past, that he was declaring them clean. And it was a picture of what he was doing in the Gentile community, that he was going to send him to a man who wasn't a Jew, but that wanted to know who Jesus was. And so, so Peter had this revelation from God. He began on the right path, but then there were other Christians at the time who wanted to incorporate parts of their old religion into this new movement of Christianity. And so they were pushing these ideas, um, particularly this idea of circumcision, that people needed to be circumcised in order to be a follower of Christ. And Paul is recognizing that that was part of God's old covenant with Abraham, and that was a sign of that covenant, and that it had nothing to do with what God was doing now, through the work of Jesus Christ. And so he calls James out, and he calls Cephas, which is another name for Peter, and and John, who were pillars of this faith, 
who were leading the movement in Jerusalem, this, the early church, and, and they had started in the right way, but they had drifted from this. They had been caught up in some religious beliefs because of the pressure of some of these um, Jewish leaders. And it was creating tension in the church. In fact, verse 11, it says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Wow, that's pretty harsh language. Right? This is Peter and Paul. These are like two of the key figures in the Christian church, and they're completely butting heads at this point. So I want us to pick it up in verse 12 and read what it says. For before certain men came James, and he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them. He's not pulling a lot of punches here, is he? So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. And I said to Cephas, who is Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And now we get to the, the critical part of this chapter. And Paul is about to lay it all out here. And he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not of the works of the law, because the works of the law, no one, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Now this word justified, he's used it several times here. Uh, when I was a kid, I learned what this word means. There was a little, a little help um, to, to remind you of what justified means. And if you think of justified in this way, it will help you understand. It means that, that God sees you just as if you'd never sinned. It's a really unique way to, to look at this idea that the righteousness of Christ Jesus has replaced our sinful nature. That he's come in and made us, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, a new creation in Christ. That the old has gone away, the new has come, so that now we've been made righteous before him. It's just as if we'd never sinned. And that work only happens through faith in Jesus Christ. See, this is the, the thing that separates us from the rest of the world's religions. The rest of the world's religions are about you do this, 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 and this, and then you achieve a, a, a state of enlightenment or a state of righteousness because of the work that you do. When Christianity, the message of the gospel, is Jesus did it all. He paid it all so that we could be made righteous because we weren't able to do it ourselves. In fact, we were even born into sinfulness. You didn't even have to commit a sin, right? You were born into a sinful nature because your forefathers sinned. You were born into that sinful nature. You didn't even have to do anything wrong to be sinful before God. 
but because of the work of Jesus Christ, as we place our faith in him, now we're made righteous. And it's only through that. And Paul's calling this out. He's saying, listen, if you want to add this extra stuff to faith in Christ, you're stripping away the power of the gospel. You're taking it away. And what you're doing is, is you're, you're basically putting people in bondage to something that could never save them. Let's keep reading. But it says, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So Paul takes it another step further. He says, not only if you add to the gospel, are you stripping away the essence of the gospel, but you're actually sinning by doing that. If you're putting on someone else a weight that God didn't give us to carry, then you're actually sinning against them. Paul says, I prove myself to be a transgressor, for though I died to the law so that I might live to God I have been crucified with Christ. And there's that picture of what God does for us. It says we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. This idea of how we can be righteous before God is so hard for us to understand as human beings. It's, it is just absolutely impossible for us to comprehend because we know how messed up we are. Right? When it comes right down to it, the idea that we can be righteous, that, that God has justified us and that he's made us holy, he's made us righteous, is just impossible for us to comprehend because we see our sinfulness and we see our brokenness. It's only through receiving the grace of Jesus Christ. It's only through being crucified with him. It's what Paul is saying here. It's not me anymore who lives. It's Christ. So I'm not me anymore. I'm his righteousness instead. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Wow. That's a powerful statement. You know, as I look back at, at what we were talking about, our values as a church, what we believe in, if we take away the first one, the other two are worthless. If we take away the relationship, listen, we can have as much community as we want, right? We can... We can be very missional. We can do amazing, wonderful things. But if we don't know what it means to have a relationship with God, Paul is saying it's worthless. Christ died for no purpose. Wow. You know, there was a period in my life um, where my relationship with God kind of slipped into a religious experience. Uh, I was towards the end of my time in college. And, and by the way, I guarantee you 
that none of you would have any idea that this was going on in my life at that time. Right? I knew how to fake it like the best of them. I was, I was serving 20 hours a week in my church. I mean, I was leading worship. I was involved in youth ministry. Uh, I was part of the young adult group. Um, and from the outside, nobody knew what was going on on the inside. And, and that's the danger for every single one of us today, right? We all have that capability to pretend. And, and the more time you spend in church, the better you get at it. The easier it is to fake it. You know, the truth was this, however, I hadn't opened my Bible up in months. I mean, I brought it with me to church on Sunday. I didn't spend time in prayer. I wasn't listening to the voice of God. I wasn't, I wasn't casting my cares on him. I wasn't presenting my requests to him. I wasn't um, listening to his voice in the secret place. I wasn't doing any of those things. And you know what? Even though I was leading worship at my church, I was not worshiping God. My worship was a show. And eventually, this pattern in my life opened the door for sin, which nobody knew about either. I hid it all. Nobody had any idea. I was religious, and I was good at it. But my relationship was non-existent. And I remember one night sitting in my room, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of my heart. And it was... It was at that point in my life, I was, I was actually just preparing to do my internship as a pastoral studies student who was completely faking my relationship with Christ. And I, I just had an honest conversation with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of faking it. I know you're real. I know you've proven that time and time again in my life. And I'm not okay with the way that I'm living my life right now. So I'm either going to be all in or I'm not going to do this at all. And it just came down to that moment where I, I recommitted my life to Christ. There was no altar call. There was no church service. There was no worship team. There was, I, didn't even, I wasn't even playing worship music in the background. That makes it much more spiritual, I know. But it was just, it was just me in my room, in the quiet, all by myself, just me and the Holy Spirit. I remember that moment like it was yesterday. Just like a few years ago now. I'm not going to say how many. <laughs> I remember praying this prayer. I said, God, I'm tired of faking it. I want to be all in. You know, there's a a picture that scripture uses to describe this relationship that we have between us as believers and our Savior. In fact, uh, Jesus refers to the church as his bride, that the church is the bride of Christ. And there's this analogy of a married couple that, that Christianity is like entering into a marriage with Christ. You know, religious people 
are like dysfunctional marriages. Now, let me explain what, what I mean by, by saying that. Um, people in relationship with God know how to communicate with him. Right? I, imagine that, that you're in a marriage and um, you take your cell phone out and you block your wife's number. Some of you are thinking, I would not live till tomorrow, right? If I were to do that. Like imagine you get home from work one day and your wife says, hey, where's Johnny? Johnny's your child, just in case you're wondering for the, the sake of this scenario. You're like, I don't know. Well, didn't you pick him up? No, I didn't pick him up. You always pick him up. She said, well, I had a flat tire and I texted you that you were supposed to pick him up. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't read that. I just ignored it. How would that go over? Probably not well. I, I'm just, I'm assuming, I don't know what it's like at your house. I know for me, that would be a mistake, okay? But you know what? We block God's text messages all the time. Like he's given us his written word. And if we never open it up and we never read it, it's, it we might as well be ignoring the communication that he's trying to give us. Now, here's the thing. You can, really, you can read God's word religiously. And here, here's what I mean by that. You can read it out of duty, out of obligation. You can read it out of discipline, but reading it in a way that you're not allowing it to change anything in your life. Reading it in a way that you're not allowing God to speak to you through it. And that is not what relationship is, right? That's, that's like just going through the motions. But if you open God's word on a regular basis and say, God, change me by your word. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your instruction. I want to know your plan for my life. If you read scripture that way, it's going to affect you. Right? That's what relationship is like. That's, that's communication. You know, the other area of communication with God is prayer. Now, here, here, let's go back to the marriage scenario for a second. Imagine being married to someone, living in the same house as them, seeing them on a regular basis, but never speaking a word to each other. That is a dysfunctional marriage, right? I mean, that is unhealthy. Like, that would be so uncomfortable. Like, I'm just trying to picture that in my head. I couldn't even do it. I, it would just, I, I would rather be yelling at each other than not having any communication at all. That is not good, right? But how many of us as Christians, that's the way that we live our lives. We have God right next to us all the time. He's promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's in the room with us all the time, and we never talk to him. We never even acknowledge his presence, Right? And God's given us this incredible gift of prayer. He's, he's removed the barrier so that we can have direct access to our Heavenly Father. We can talk to Him anytime we want. We can sit and listen to His voice. But if we're not taking advantage of that, we're missing out. That's not relationship. That's religion. You know, you can pray religiously too. I, I watched a... a a football documentary a while back on Netflix. And I only could watch a couple episodes because there was just, the coach had one of the foulest mouths I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, every other word was a swear word. And right before they would go on the field before the game, 
their team would huddle up together and he would lead them in the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> and I just can't, I can't justify this in my mind. Like, I mean, 10 seconds ago, like you were just cussing this kid out and using every, every abusive word that you could possibly think of in the English language. And now you're praying together as you go out on the field. Like that means nothing, right? It's just, it's just reciting a prayer. And you know, we can even, as Christians, if you spend long enough in church, you can learn to sound very spiritual when you pray. Right? You can learn to say all the right words that make it sound like you are a wonderful Christian. But if it's not coming from your heart, it doesn't mean anything at all. It's garbage. It's like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. It's a loud noise. It's a clanging cymbal. Right? It's just noise. Listen, the barometer of your relationship is with God is... When you pray, what do you pray like when you're by yourself? Right? Do you take the time to listen to God's voice? I, I confess this to our small group on Friday. I'm horrible at just sitting and listening to God in the natural rhythms of my life. Uh, if that's going to happen, I have to schedule it. Right? I, don't, I need a plan to do it. And it's the same thing with marriage, just like there are times where you need to sit down and have those meaningful conversations, right? You need to have time alone with God to speak to him and to listen to him. Here's the last one that differentiates religion from relationship. It's worship. Now, again, you can worship religiously, right? You can fake it. I'm not talking about the outward expression here, right? You can even jump up and down and wave your hands around. Now, I will say this. If something's going on on the inside, it's probably going to come out on the outside too, okay? Or you're, you're just emotionally constipated and you're stuffing it all in. Maybe that's the case. Uh, but here's the deal. Like, just because there's a show going on doesn't mean anything is happening on the inside as well. Right? Religious people can fake it. And here's the comparison to marriage. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we get ready to close. Here's the comparison to marriage. How healthy is a marriage when you never say, I love you to each other? When there's no physical affection at all? When your relationship is purely functional? I think... Most of us could probably think of someone that we know that has that kind of relationship. Don't like point to them or you know wave at them or anything like that. We don't need to. We don't need to call anybody out, okay? But but like we all know people that have that type of relationship that it's like, yeah, they're married, but they don't even really like each other that much. At least that's the perception that you get from the outside. You know how much do we love God if we never worship Him? And listen, I know that we have different levels of expression and maybe it's your personality to be a little bit more reserved. That doesn't mean that you're not genuinely worshiping the Lord. But here's the deal. Like, when we're spending time singing praises to God, are you just like 
reciting the words off the screen or, or sitting there thinking, man, I, I wish this would end. Or are you taking a moment to say I love you to the God who did everything for you, who sent his son as a sacrifice for your sins so that you could be made righteous, so that you could be justified through faith? If we never worship in our heart, Do we really love the one who gave everything for us? So here's the challenge as we close. I'm going to ask you are, you, are you lacking in any of those three areas? Are you ignoring God's word or just reading it out of discipline without a desire to be impacted by it? Is your communication with God suffering? Or are you sharing your heart with him? more importantly, are you taking time to listen to his voice? The last one is, are you expressing your love to God through worship, or are you just going through the motions? Listen, this is, this is a heart check for every single one of us. Because at any moment in your life, it's easy to fall into the trap. and go through the motions and become a religious person. That's why being crucified with Christ means picking up your cross daily and following after him. It's a constant state of repentance. It's realigning our heart because our desire inside of us, our flesh wants to take us the other direction. So what it means to be a follower of Christ is to be in a constant state of repentance, of realigning our heart with his. So let's let the Holy Spirit just speak to us for a second. We're going to worship together and give you a chance to practice that expression of the love that you have for God this morning. But before we do that, let's just take a second and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Is there an area of your life that's become religious? And you want to say, okay, God, I want to turn this around. I want to know what it means to have relationship with you. Because then, if we have that, everything else that we do matters, right? It's not just a group of people hanging out together, a, a fun uh, social club, right? We're the body of Christ. That means something. It's not just a, a cause, you know. It, yeah, it's great that we're we're building wells in Africa and we're blessing people in that way. But, but listen, we're also bringing them living water too, that they can find life through the, through the work of Jesus Christ that will carry them through all eternity, not just the next week, right? It's compassion with relationship with the power of the work of the cross. So Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Reveal to us something in our heart that is askew or wrong, that we've allowed to become dead or religious. And remind us of what it means to be a true follower of you. Placing our faith in Jesus Christ.